Let's do it. We, we usually do it, but I love doing it because the devil hates it. Amen? And God loves it. So if you have your Bible, you can lift it up. If not, that's okay. You can just say it. Say, this is my Bible. I believe it is God Almighty in written form. And today, it will enter my heart, my mind, my emotions, and my body, conforming me to the image of Jesus Christ, to the glory of the Father. Amen. Whoo, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Boy, I just sense Jesus. You know, I, I sent out an email, and I, hopefully most of you got it. I just sense that God's going to do something special today, but he wants to do something special every day, especially every Sunday when we meet together. Uh, this message is entitled Seven Times. And uh, I, I want to share that, you know, there are, there's a time to sow, there's a time to water, and there's a time to reap. Now, you might be in different areas, you might be in a sowing time in one area, a watering time in another area, and a reaping time in another. Amen? But I really believe that in many of our lives here, those watching online or Faith and Family Channel, YouTube, however, Spotify, however, that in the body of Christ, it's a kairos time. Kairos is a Greek word, C-H-I-R-O-S, I believe you spell it. it. It means a set time, a special time. A time where things come together, where there is reaping, where there needs to be decisions made, because it's a time where if you don't make that decision, it will really uh, not be good. But if you do, it's just a set time. We're living in a nation. I tell you what, we're at a tipping point. It's a Kairos time. But I really believe individually, families, communities, our nation, our world, it's a Kairos time. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says that prophecy is given for edification first and then for exhortation. And then for consolation. And edification needs to be first and foremost. Amen? I tell you, we're all in a battle. We don't need beat up. Amen? We come to church. We're in a battle. We get, man, we need to be edified. We come to church when we fellowship with one another. And we need consolation. Because there's times where, man, there's some ups and downs. But we also need exhortation. Exhortation is where you need uh, a little, uh, how are we going to put this, uh, kick, all right? And uh, we all need it, believe me, and I do myself. And uh, where we just say, you know what, we need to maybe accentuate something. We need to deal with something. And exhortation is so critical as well. Second Timothy 4.2 says, preach the gospel in season, not reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And uh, all right. So we're going to, this is in three parts. So I believe it'll be a blessing. At the same time, it'll be challenging, okay? And uh, now every time I, I preach on something that's exhortative, I mean, I've, I've been preaching for a long time. You know what I'm saying? I told somebody, I remember when the Dead Sea was just sick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've been preaching for a long time. 
usually when I preach on something that's challenging, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, someone will say, well, you're preaching to me. You, 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 someone told you about this. I'm not thinking about anybody anywhere, whether you're listening by YouTube or whatever. But the Holy Spirit, so something is blessed, it's God. If something's challenging, don't blame me either. Okay? <laughs> All right? All right, so let's start out here, but this is going to be good. 1 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20, we've been preaching on this. All the promises of God are yes and amen to them who believe. <clears throat> there comes a time where we're getting the scriptures into our spirit. And there comes a time where we, you know, we water that seed. But there also comes a time we have to make decisions to speak what we believe and receive it. Amen? And it can be, you know, in so many different areas. You know, and, uh, and with Romans, or 1 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20, we shared out in Romans 6, where it says, know that you've died with Christ. Know that you've been risen with Christ. And then it went on to say, reckon yourself dead. Knowing and reckoning are, are really, there's a differentiation. It's one thing to know, it's another thing to reckon it and personalize it. Amen? But then it says, don't let sin reign in your, your, your mortal body and, and receive. Now, we're always talking, whatever we do, we do it in the spirit of grace. Whatever we do. Whatever we do, we do through the spirit of God. It's just not going to work when you just do it on your own strength. But there is a time where, you know what, you have to say, I've sowed to the word. I've watered the word through the Holy Ghost. And now it's a time of reaping. See, it's wrong to be trying to reap without sowing. A lot of people get a scripture, it's not in their spirit, no, just confess it, confess it, but it, it's not going to work until there's a process involved in it, it growing until you are to receive. But you don't want to be watering when you're supposed to be reaping. You know, you can kill a plant by overwatering it. So, I mean, whether it's in the area of pornography, lust, or whatever, there comes a time where you have to say, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to reckon this thing dead. And usually when you do that, it tries to come up more. But when it comes up, you just cut off its head completely. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Glory to God. It can do with anything. Unforgiveness. You know, God understands when we're hurt. I remember I was deceived in this area. I, th I thought when that person apologize when that person comes to grips, I'll forgive them. But it has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do between you and God. Amen? Amen? There comes a time where you have to forgive by faith. And someone says, well, that's hard. You don't know what I've been through. Nobody knows what anybody's been through. Amen? Amen. But by the grace of God, even as he has forgiven us, we can forgive others, action, reaction. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. So I'm just using this as an example. I, I think I shared this prior, but a really good friend of mine, he's not around anymore, but he, uh, 
a really good professor, and we'd walk around the track together years ago. And, uh, you know, he said, man, I'm struggling with unforgiveness. And something, you know, my parents did was just really bad. I said, man, you got to come to grips with it. He's a good guy. And he said, I, I just can't. Well, we kept walking. And he said, finally, he said, all right, I'm going to do it. And I said, he said, I, I forgave them. I said, well, how's it going? He said, well, it really hasn't taken yet. <laughs> well, meaning that it hasn't got into his soul yet. But he said, I'm glad I did it. But after a few weeks, he said, man, I got free. Amen. But you have to make a decision. Amen. Glory to God. It, it could be anything. We all struggle with different things. Man, some people, man, it could be gossip. It could be a hundred things. All right? So I, I feel like the Lord's saying, you know what? Call that which is dead is dead. Amen? Hallelujah. And you know what? If you're struggling, get some help. Amen? I'm going to read something from a young man. I'm counseling now. I won't say his name, but the only reason I can read it, it was public. It was on Facebook, and I still won't say his name or things that he shared specifically. But he said, it's time to get serious about who I am and face some of my demons. Something traumatic happened when I was 14, and I realized recently that it still messed me up 20 years later. Maybe the weed and drinking have been a mask to hide behind. The true deep-down pain has left me bitter and empty inside and has affected my faith. Not sure how to say this, but I was molested by a man. He actually gives the town, but I won't say it. I didn't know what to say or to do. It's embarrassing, but I've been in darkness for years. Can anyone help me? Glory to God, Jesus can. A bunch of people that were helped through the counseling center got a hold of him. This went out to hundreds of people. And he called me, and now he's he's doing well. He's changing, man. But he reached out for help. Amen? So if you need help, reach out to somebody. Glory to God. But we, we, have to, we have to come to a place of decision. I was counseling a young man years ago that had been molested at a family reunion, my gosh. And uh, just all the desires for the opposite sex went away, and this kid was a leader in a, a college, and great kid, and he was suicidal. It was a bad deal. So we, started, we, we counseled for about six weeks, and he said, man, this isn't working and, uh, and, and he said, I'm just not going to come back. And a lot of times, you know, someone doesn't want to come back. It's fine. But I just said, man, it is working. Because I knew he had a good heart. I said, it is working. He said, no, it's not. I said, it is working. And uh, he said, it's not working. I, this, I don't have these desires. They're still not here. And I just yelled, it is working. He said, okay, maybe it is. <laughs> it's a true story. Well, about three or four weeks later, he come in and, wow, all his desires are back. Glory to God. He's in ministry today, married with a couple kids. Glory to God. Amen? But, we have, but you see, he wasn't making a decision on the lot that he had been given. Amen? So, all right. So that, that's number one. Glory to God. Say thank you, Jesus. All right. That helps me. All right. Glory to God. The second one is in regards to uh, spiritual warfare, demonic spirits. Uh, you know what? We need to understand, glory to God, that sometimes we don't understand what's going on in battle sometimes. It looks like the enemy has the upper hand, but he does not. And uh, 
a book I really like. It was written years ago by a guy I know from Baltimore, a pastor. It says, cover me in the time of battle. I tell you, I don't have a strength in everything, but one thing I have a grace to do is cover people in the time of battle. It's a, great, it's a grace. There's a lot of things I don't have graces for. But cover me in the time of battle. First of all, we need to cover each other. Amen? Not like when, isn't it amazing? Noah saved the world, and then right after he saved the world, he got drunk out of his gourd. You know what I'm saying? And it's like he's naked and drunk, and his, his one son came in and says, Ha! I thought you were a man of God and just basically mocked him and cursed him. His other two sons, they walked in backwards and they covered him. Amen? We need to learn to cover one another. And we know, I tell you what, the battle's hard enough. You can uncover anybody. Anyone can be uncovered because nobody's perfect. We need to cover one another. But in battle, you know, churches, pastors, leaders need to cover. Okay? But we need to understand that we're not going to be harmed. Perfect love casts out fear. Luke 10, 19 says we, don't, we will destroy both serpents, that's the lies of the devil, and scorpions, that which can physically harm us. And nothing shall any means hurt us. Okay? And glory, 1 Samuel 5, you know, one of my favorite stories actually in the Bible, you know, uh, the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant and they set the Ark of the Covenant by their god, Dagon, who's very powerful. Probably the strongest principality on earth at that time. He's a, they had little churches, so to speak, all over, you know, Philistine. And uh, man, Dagon's probably thinking there is this wooden statue of him, but the demon actually was in the statue. It was the main sanctuary for him. And in the morning... You know, the priests of Dagon go in, and that statue is up here, and now it's on the floor worshiping the ark. Wow. I tell you, the devil's no match for God. Amen? Amen. So they set it back up. He's probably thinking, man, that's no thing. Why'd you do that? You know what I'm saying? And the next day they come in, he's on the ground, his head's off, his hands are off, his legs are cut off. And there's just a stump. And all the priests took off. <laughs> Amen? And they said, you know what? Why don't we give the ark back? <laughs> Amen? We are the ark of the Holy Ghost. We don't run from the devil. We run to the devil. And part of this message, in all honesty, is confrontation. Through the blood of Jesus the word of God by the Holy Ghost, not in our own strength. We run to the battle, not from it. We confront the devil. We don't run from it. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Philippians 1.28, let me read this. Actually, I never heard, I never had this taught, and Kathy showed it to me one day, and I said, man, that's an awesome revelation. I'm going to share that in church. I'll just pretend like God gave it to me and not you. you know, goofing around, you know. But uh, she shared this with me. I never, I never heard it before. I read it, I'm sure. But for some reason, I skipped over it for years. But it says, in nothing, nothing means nothing, terrified by your adversaries, talking about the devil, which is to the devil an evident token of destruction. 
but to you salvation in that of God. You know, if there's a dog that's in your show fear, man, that dog can turn on you. But if you're not afraid, he's not, you know, but it's that the devil, he runs in terror. Resist the devil. He will run from you in terror. Glory to God. So we're not terrified. Amen. But he's terrified. We need to see when we're standing against the devil, he is terrified. He's not terrified of you and me and our natural strength. He's terrified of the Holy Ghost in us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I just feel like the Lord said, man, as never before. You know, we're to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And uh, we're to confront him, understanding that he's afraid of us. A long time when we were living in town, I looked in, uh, in the yard and there was uh, there's a rat and it had rained. It was a pretty big rat. And I was like, oh, Lord. And uh, not something I wanted to see. But it was drenched out of the rain. And then the sun came out right after that. And I, uh, it was actually in the corner by the house. And I came up to it, and, uh, and it just went like this. It was in terror. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's how you need to see the enemy. I have made him afraid of my name. Amen? Glory to God. See, we need to picture our adversary as who he is. But we need to picture God as who he is. Amen? Glory to God. I know that's strong, but amen, we need to walk like this. Amen? Because we're all human. We've all had experiences where man looks like the enemy isn't listening, but he is. Glory to God. All right. The third part of this is, uh, this is the primary part. Go with me, if you would, to Judges 6. Uh, we're going to look at Jericho in Judges 6, but before you do that, as you're doing that, Seven, the number seven, hallelujah, means process under completion. Process under completion. I mean, there's a lot of definitions that people give to it. But I think that's one of the best I've heard. Process under completion. Glory to God. In, you know, we're told to forgive 70 times seven. That doesn't mean 490 times. You don't start with 490 and start marking, you know, marking out and say, glory to God, three to go, and I'm going to blast that guy. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He's done. Glory to God. 487. Why don't you do three more times? You know what I'm saying? We are done, right? It's an expression, right? From, you know, you do it as long as it takes. Process in 2 Kings 5, when, as, you know, when 2 Kings, when Elisha raised the Shunammite son from the dead, you know, it says that, you know, he laid on him and the, the anointing went into him and he sneezed seven times. Isn't that interesting? Seven times. And his body became warm. He sneezed seven times. So Elisha gets up, walks throughout the house, comes back, and then he comes up. But seven, again, it, he was in the process of being raised. He just didn't, he just wasn't raised. First his body got warm. Then 
He sneezed seven times. I mean, why is that in the Bible? Because again, seven is significant. And then he prayed again, and then he came back to life. Glory to God. Okay? So we need to understand what seven is. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew 7, 7. I was doing a teaching on this once, and and the Lord spoke to me. He said, go to Matthew 7, 7. I didn't know what it meant at the time, but I knew what the number seven meant. And uh, Matthew 7, and Mark, Matthew 7, 7, it says this. Ask, and it shall be given you. Actually, in the Greek, it says continue to ask and be given to you. Continue to seek and, and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. I don't think it's a coincidence that that's Matthew 7, 7. I think that's interesting. Amen. So 7, again, is a process under completion. Glory to God. So that'll help us when we look now at the book of Judges. And let's go to uh, chapter 6. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. And we're talking about, most of us are familiar with the story. Jericho was a very powerful city. And it was, it was a stronghold. Hallelujah, Jesus. I said Judges 6, is that what I said? We want to go to Joshua 6, right? Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. And Joshua was chapter 6, right before Judges. So Jericho was a very strong city. A lot of great, they were known for warriors. Very powerful. So Jericho was surely shut up because the children of Israel, none went in and come out. Because they had heard of what went on. That they were, Israel were destroying, you know, all the other cities. The Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given them into your hand. And the king thereof and the mighty men of valor that are in Jericho. And uh, again, if we can see into the spirit realm, we would see the enemy afraid of us. Glory to God. And you, here's his instruction. You should come past the city, all you men of war. Go round about the city once. This shall, you'll do six days. You have seven priests. Shall be bear before the ark seven trumpets. A ram's horns, and on the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. So you got seven, 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 seven. Okay? And the priest shall blow with the trumpets. It shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall send up every man before him. And, you know, you'll, you'll take the goods and destroy them. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take the ark of the covenant. That's the key. The, the Holy Spirit dwelt above the ark. Now you are the ark. Amen? So it says, Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And if you keep reading, it goes over and over again. Seven, seven, seven. Do this day after day. Seven, seven, seven. Right? And uh, verse 10, Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then shall you shout. Wow. Those are tough instructions. 
I was tougher for God to get them to be obedient to that than anything. I'm sure many of them, why do you think he did that? I'm sure many people there are thinking, that's really dumb. You know what I'm saying? Why don't we just go in with our mighty men and just destroy them? But we need to follow God's plan. Amen? So he just said, nobody talks. Wow. Could you do that for six days? Six days. You don't say one negative word. Wow. Six days. Not one negative word. Hmm. That, that will build momentum. Amen. <laughs> Until I tell you to shout. Well, again, it goes over and over again. It says in verse 11, the ark of the Lord can pass the city going about at once. And they came into the camp, lodged in the camp, rose up early in the morning, and priests took up the ark of the covenant. Seven priests bring seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them. And, uh, and, the, the, and this goes on and on and on. It says it went on the second day. Honestly, when you're reading this, it kind of is like, you're tired of reading it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's repetitive. Most Christians hate repetition. Mm. I've been doing this for three days, bless God, and I don't know why I'll do it again. Repetition and continuing to speak the word is key to your breakthrough. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's key. Amen. But see, if you don't understand, and I don't understand the, how awesome it is and what it's doing, it's like, man, I, I'm going to do that. I was taking my granddaughter, she's nine, to a softball game yesterday. You know, we're doing the knock-knock jokes while we're driving. You know what I'm saying? Mine were better than hers. You know, but anyways, uh, she says, all right, knock-knock. I said, who's there? Banana. Knock-knock, who's there? Banana. By the knock-knock, who's there? Banana. I'm about the third time. I'm tired of it. Be honest with you. She said, knock-knock. I said, who's there? She said, orange. You know, orange, you glad it wasn't banana, right? We all know that one. I was glad it wasn't banana. Seriously. We don't like repetition. But the bottom line is, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, 12, we obtain the promises through faith. We like that. And there's a word we don't like, patience. Mm. Patience in the Greek just means to be consistent. To be consistent. Well, God, how come it didn't happen like that? How come I have to keep speaking this? And this person got it quick and I got it. Faith and patience is usually the norm. Mm. Wouldn't it be nice if everything just came bang? You planted a seed and the tree was there the next day with fruit on it. Wouldn't that be nice? We would all have vineyards. You know what I'm saying? But the bottom line is faith and patience. Man, alive. Amen. So the bottom line is this. So the people, sh uh, you, know, uh, you know, the seventh day did come. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But see, verse 15, they came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day, can pass the city after the same manner, just like they did the first six days. And on that day, they can pass the city seven times. Wow. Wow. 
And what happened was, glory to God, verse 20, the people shouted. The priests blew their trumpets. It came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. Man, a great shout. The wall fell flat. They got all the silver and gold and had victory. Mm. Please listen to this. Sometimes after six days, man, you're tired of speaking the same thing. You're tired of doing the same thing, just being faithful. And then before harvest, God tells you to do it more. You've been praying that half hour every day just to get a creative idea to bless the kingdom. And before the harvest, God says, I want you to pray more the next few weeks. And your natural mind says it hadn't worked the last few months. Why are we praying more? Seriously, I did a fast a while ago. Man, i tell you what, I just was fasting to see the heart of God more. My motive was great. I'm going to tell you something. I, I didn't sense God. Everything was going wrong. So Lord said, you know, it's a three-day fast, right? And didn't eat anything. And i tell you what, the only thing I got was hungry. I'm serious. It, it, was, it seemed horrible. So at the end of the third day, you know, being spiritual and acting like it was good, you know what I'm saying? For real. I said, Lord, thank you for the privilege. And God knew my heart. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm so glad this is done. And God spoke to me. And he said, how about three more days? I'll never forget it. And my natural mind said, how about the last three? You doing better than you did. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, you know? It was bad. Seriously. So fourth day, uh, God seemed a little better. Fifth day, didn't sense much. Sixth day. And Jesus just came. I mean, and that's where I saw in big letters, Exodus 34, 14, I didn't know what it meant. It says, I'm the Lord whose name is Yahweh Kenna, the Lord who's jealous over you. Wow, it changed my life. How come it didn't happen on the first day? Amen? Wouldn't that have been better? Or the second day, or the third day, the fourth day? How come it didn't happen the first week? Or the second week? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Amen? Glory to God. Boy, not much shouting here today. You know what I'm saying? Glory. But let's go to 1 Kings 18.41. So our Lord wants us to see something that's very important. And again, we know these stories. But in 1 Kings 18.41, I want you to personalize this to the needs you have. All right? It can be a hundred different things. It could be finances. It could be ability to forgive a familiar sin. It could be healing. It could be just wanting more Jesus. And uh, so Elijah says unto Ahab, get thee up to eat and drink. For I hear the sound of rain. Kathy preached on this in the ladies' luncheon. Taught on it. Well, here's the deal, guys. He didn't hear nothing. He's speaking out of his spirit, but God has spoken to him. There was no sound of rain. We need, when you feel nothing, to speak something. It doesn't matter what your mind is saying. It doesn't matter what people are saying. 
It doesn't matter what your circumstances are saying. It doesn't matter what the world's saying. It doesn't matter what the devil's saying. If the word of God says there's a sound of rain, you need to get out in the morning and say, I hear the sound of rain. And be expecting. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to God. I heard a story, I think it was in Wyoming, a true story, that there was a drought and, and a lot of Christian people came together to pray for rain. And there's one little boy, I think he was like six, seven years old, and he brought an umbrella. Glory to God. We need to bring an umbrella. Amen? Glory to Jesus. But here's the deal, guys. Ahab went up to eat and drink. The world doesn't care about what you say. They're just going to do their thing. Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. You need to get up to your high place. And Jesus cast himself on earth, put his face between his knees, the Hebrew birthing position. You need to get ready to birth something. Said to his servant, go up, now look toward the sea. He went up and looked and said, there's nothing. Mm. Second, so he prays again. Go up and look. Servant comes back and there's nothing. Third time, go up and look, there's nothing. Fourth time, go up and look, there's nothing. Fifth time, nothing. Man, the servant's probably thinking, what's up with man, right? What's up with Elijah? Sixth time, nothing. But here's the key I really believe that God wants us to see. When there seems to be nothing in the spirit, that's when something is breaking. See, if you don't see that and I don't see that, rather than getting excited and strengthened, you're going to get depleted. And it's okay to look. I, I, it doesn't matter what I see when I'm looking. I pray for someone that's blind and I take my hands off their eyes. I'm going to look and ask if he sees. If he doesn't see, I'll pray again. Jesus did that, didn't he? I'm going to say that again. If you continue to pray and seek God and speak and don't see something happen through your spirit, the eyes of your spirit, the mind of your spirit, you're going to be depleted. And I'm going to be depleted. It's taken me a while to, to learn this. But we need to understand that it is breaking. We need to continue. Go with me to 2 Kings 13. Now we share a lot about the, you know, the, the young man being raised from the dead through the bones of Elijah. But let's share something that most people I've never turned a thought on. This is before Elisha's going to be with, he's, he's going to be with God. And uh, the king comes to him and he says, man, I, I see you're, you're, it's time for you to go home. And, and Elisha, it's, uh, verse 15, take bows and arrows. He took unto him bows and arrows of the king. And he said to the king of Israel, put thy hand upon the bow. He put his hand upon it and Elisha put his hands on his king's hands. He said, open the window eastward. He opened it. Elisha said, shoot and he shot. And he said, here's a prophecy. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of complete deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek and you will consume them. 
We're going to look why this is the most short-lived prophecy ever given. Because it did not come to pass. And then he says to him, take the arrows. Now personalize this. He took them. He said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. He smote three times and stopped. Mm. And the man of God was wroth with him, angry, and said, you should have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed them. But now you shall smite Syria but three times. Wow. Now this isn't legalistic. He's saying this. If you're going to win the battle, you've got to put your heart out fully. You can't stop until you win. You can't stop until the enemy is consumed. Glory to God. And I get it, man. We're busy. We're tired. We get excited. We get a revelation from the word. We start speaking it. It might be working some. We don't see it. And then we forget what we got. And then, you know, this comes in and this comes in and this comes in. But what's going to keep us? Man, go with me to Isaiah 41, 13. See, if you see in your spirit that it's working, that's what's going to keep you. It's what's going to keep you. That's what's going to keep you. Let's start with uh, verse 13. Isaiah 41, 13. And this goes with the scripture. And we got this in intercession. That, you know, God says, my word is like a hammer. It breaks in pieces the enemy. But I don't know, you know, if you have a hammer, it doesn't break everything in pieces just the first hit. Amen? You have to keep hitting until it's broken in pieces. Verse 13 says, For the I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying to thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Aren't you glad for that? says, fear not, thou worm Jacob, and you men of Israel, I will help thee, says the Lord, the Redeemer, Holy One. This is where people think they're worms. This is talking about you and your own strength. Romans 7. Man, in your own strength, it's not going to happen. But it got, read the rest of the verse. Read the rest of it. What comes next? So you read Romans 7, it's talking about the person in their own strength. Things I want to do, I, I, I can. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. That, that's the person is in, their, in their own strength. But listen to the next verse. Behold, I will make you, everyone here, I will make you a new, sharp, threshing instrument. You. Not somebody else. Not the big name preacher. You. Having teeth, thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small. Make the hills as chaff. It's one thing to speak to the mountain. It's another thing to thresh it, man. Thou shalt fan them, the wind shall carry them away, the whirlwind shall scatter them, and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord and shall glory in the Holy One of Israel. Mm. Glory to God. We have to know it's breaking. Well, I don't see it breaking. I don't feel like it's breaking. It looks like it's getting stronger. It's breaking. 
How do you know it's breaking? Because God said it is. Because the name of Jesus breaks every other name contrary to it. How do you know it's breaking? Because the Spirit of God is the breaker. And he's in you. How do you know it's breaking? Because the blood of Jesus has destroyed every work of the devil, 1 John 3, 9. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. This is what, see, my desire as a pastor is you, you, you can enter into this and I can enter into it. And then together, man, we can break principalities and powers. We can break generational curses. We can enter into destiny. Man, one of my favorite stories, Mahesh Javda, minister with Derek Prince for many years. Derek, of course, is going to be with the Lord, but Mahesh is alive. His ministry is in South Carolina. Great man of God. And he was doing a revival service in uh, Haiti. And he took with him Ricky Skaggs, you know, famous country music guy. How many ever heard of Ricky Skaggs? It's, you know, real, I really like him. And, uh, and Ricky, this is years ago, he wasn't walking with Jesus like he should have been. So uh, Ricky was leading worship. And uh, the first night, there's a girl that was totally blind. And... Uh, Mahesh said, I'm going to lay my hands on your eyes. I want you to put your hands over my hands. And the, spirit, and the power of God went through both their hands, and the girl was completely, she could see. And Ricky said, changed his life, and he made a recommitment to Jesus, from what I understand, it's never wavered. But uh, that first night as well, there was a, a woman there that was blind. She was a grandma. But she married and had kids. Her granddaughter brought her to the service. And uh, first night, you know, Mahesh prayed for her. Man, the Holy Ghost came on her. She shook, rattled, and rolled. You know what I'm saying? And but she got, when she got up, Mahesh said, you know, Grandma, can you see? She said, no, I can't see. It's okay. Second night, same thing happens. I mean, shake, rattle, and roll. The Holy Ghost comes on her. Grandma, can you? No. Third night, because of the miracles, it was much more crowded. But he still prayed for this lady. He laid hands on her, but because so many people, she went down on the power, but he just went on the next person. But the granddaughter came up and grabbed him and said, my grandma sees perfectly. Can I tell you something? What would have happened if she didn't come back that second night? What would have happened if she didn't come back the third night? I'm here to say this. Please listen to me. This is in, you know, apple and the pie Christianity. There will be some ups and downs. I don't care how strong your faith is. That person on the job will make sure of it. You know what I'm saying? There, there, there's things that you, there, you know, there are just things that it's not going to always be upward. There's going to be some downs because of you, me, and we're in a, you know what I'm saying? That's reality. But you can't stop. You can't stop. Anyways, he had a, boy, that thing go over real big. There will be some, I don't care how strong your confession is. You're praying for somebody, man, you're sharing the gospel with, and they're not receiving. You know, you can't change everybody's will. Uh, but he was just uh, picking up his kids after school, and he had an open vision. And he saw in the spirit realm. See, we, we want to we know what's in the spirit realm, because the spirit realm determines what's in this realm. 
And the first night he sewed his heavy change on his, chains on these ladies' eyes, over her eyes. And after the first night, they became thinner. After the second night, they became thinner. And the third night, they broke. See, it didn't look like anything was happening. It didn't look like anything was happening, but it was. Amen? Glory to God. See, wisdom is the principal thing. If we don't know what's going on, we're not going to be able. You know, David Hogan, he's raised 500 people from the dead. He, you know, he always shares with me. He said, I don't know why, but so many times on the third day, the manifestation comes. He's praying for a lady. I know this sounds hard, but this, there's a lot of occult stuff. And this lady had horns on it, all over her spine. It was nuts coming out of her vertebrae. So he prayed for her. And plus, he had a tumor. looked like she was pregnant. She was older. And uh, he prayed. It didn't seem like anything happened. He could say, wow, the devil's got this one right. So he left, and he just called the men with him. Jesus is Lord. This thing is breaking. And uh, the devil tried to intimidate them. They were uh, leaving, and they were in a pasture, and this whatever principality tried to manifest a, a, a shut gate opened and, and they just start thanking Jesus for his blood. And this thing that tried to intimidate just blew up. So long story short, about two weeks later, this lady comes with his entourage of people. He thought they were trying to hurt them, him and his people. And he said, who are you? And that lady comes out, which is unusual in this culture. She's an Indian. She said, thank you for what you did for me. He said, well, who are you? She said, I was the lady with the horns. He said, what time, this is how David talks, did Jesus come into your house and destroy that? The exact second that thing blew up, the horns dissipated, the tumor left, and she's completely home. Mm. But didn't come out instantly, did it? But that's all right. Glory to God. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this? See, it's so important to walk in wisdom. Because if you don't walk in wisdom, there are so many wonderful Christians that are disillusioned. Because they think it should happen this way, not understanding what's involved. Amen? But see, if we want breakthrough, we have to enter in this way. I'll share, I mean, I could give you a hundred examples. You know, and I, I'm going to give more next time, but we don't run out of time. But well, I love this story. Norval Hayes wrote a book, How to Live and Not Die. So good. But uh, he shares this, and I heard a woman share it on CD. There's a, a woman, she's a teacher, high school teacher, I think, from Buffalo. You know, she lived in Buffalo, New York. And someone gave her a CD in Norval Hayes that's saying you can live and not die. She had four-stage cancer. And she just dismissed it. She's, I don't, I don't believe in that stuff. But the Lord, she's a believer, and, 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 and you know, the Lord quickened her, and she got a hold of it. And she really got, started changing her. And she would walk around a table. It was a huge dining room table. She said it would take her up to three hours to walk around that table. Just thanking Jesus she was healed. I mean, because she could hardly walk. And she said, uh, I've been wanting to get pregnant. We've been married like seven years with my husband and can't get pregnant. She said, Lord, I just want you to throw that in as well. That's a true story. And over a period of time, she couldn't even sense it. But she just believed Jesus. I think it was after, I can't remember, fifth or sixth week. 
She went back to, she was every way home. And that next month, she got pregnant. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm sure the devil came against her. Boy, you look like a sight. Can't even, takes you three hours to go around a dining room table. But see, she was sensing something going on as she walked. That's the only way we're going to keep walking. If you sense something going on as you're walking. Man, Abraham said, Man, when God said, offer up your son, he told the young man, we will worship and get me back. And as he was walking, and he kept walking, not running from the test, but running to it as he was walking, that's when that ram was caught. You keep walking, and the lamb will speak for you. You stay still. It's not going to be like it should. I got like a dozen testimonies to share. I'll do it next week because this is so important. I was, there's a, there's a pastor helping disciple me when I was in college. And he wasn't that older than me. He was in, he was in, he was in his mid-20s. And uh, long story short, he had a little church up in Farrell area. And uh, I'll never forget I was, Kathy and I were dating seriously. We were in her residence hall, North Hall, SRU. That's late. It's like 1130. I was about ready to go home. And uh, we were just downstairs. And he comes walking in. I said, man. He said, Lord spoke to me that we're to go to Pool Hall in Pharaoh and share the gospel. This is Saturday night. I'm thinking, it didn't speak to me. You know what I'm saying? But I went with him. And then we're driving there right before we go in. It was a bad place, for real. And it was African-American. And, and I'm, I don't have a racial bone in my body, but it was a tough place, but white people didn't go in there. He said, by the way, the Lord spoke to me. I'm to do the praying, and you're to do the preaching. He said, just stand up on the pool table and preach. I said, what? I didn't stand on the pool table, but I, he got their attention. I shared my testimony. And, and it went okay. You know what I'm saying? But this, this guy was just like this, right? But he shared a testimony with me I never forgot. There's a young man, he was discipling, African-American young man. This kid was super smart. I knew him. I mean, just, and he was going to a very reputable university. But somehow he got away from God and uh, came back and kind of, he was with guys who were drug dealers. It was a bad deal. So uh, this young pastor, he just, he, knew in his spirit that it's very possible this kid was going to die at, at this night. So he, got, he tried to get people, I, I wasn't around then at this time, he couldn't get a hold of me, he tried to get people to go with him, nobody would. And then, uh, you know, he went up to the place where his sister worked in a very tough bar in, in, in the feral area. And uh, he tried to get in, but they wouldn't let him in. It was a really bad place. But he finally got in. And then he started asking around. Well, he started to go towards uh, the sister was tending bar, this kid's sister. And someone stood up with a knife and put a knife right to his throat. And then, but somebody else stood up and said, let's have some respect for the cloth. Guy put the knife down. He goes back to where the sister was and said, I, I just really need to know where your brother's at so I can help him. 
This is all a true story, believe me. And she wouldn't tell him. And finally, he just said, you got to tell me. And the men around didn't like it. They started coming. And then, then a word of knowledge came. He said, Sister, Lord shows me you got a scar from here all the way down to your, I mean, to the, your legs. That you were dying, someone cut you. And your brother's dying. Just tell me where he is. And she did. See, the gifts of the Spirit aren't just to work in church. Amen? So uh, he tried to get someone to, show, to go with them because he didn't know how to get there. Finally, someone did. It's a true story. You know, so he gets there, knocks on the door, the apartment where these kids are at. And nobody would answer, but he knew the kid was in there. And uh, he, they broke down the door just in time. They're playing Russian roulette, you know what that is? They're, they're, uh, there's bullets in the chambers of a gun. And uh, there might be one bullet in, in say, the different chambers. And you take a chance and pull the trigger. But it was a setup for this kid because they knew the second one that would shoot would get killed. They were going to kill this kid. And uh, he was close to that end. And Jesus changed him. Now here's what I want you to see. What would have happened if that young pastor didn't go? What would have happened when he went to the door and wasn't let in if he would have said, I did my best? Just like the people, remember in Mark 2, that had the, the guy you know, on the stretcher and there's no room? What would have they stopped? And said, man, there's no room in the parking lot. You know what I'm saying? We'll come back another day. But Jesus might not have been there that next day. What would have happened when he got in, when that guy put the knife, he just said, you know, hey, I'm out of here. What would have happened when the sister said, I'm not telling you, and the men started to come, and he would let up? No word of knowledge. What would have happened? See, there's ups and downs. We have to go through the good ground in Mark 4, Luke 8, you know, Matthew 17. Two things. They understood the word and they brought forth fruit with perseverance. What's God speaking to us today? He's pleased with you. But he wants you to know whether you've been struggling with something for 10 years or 10 days. Know that you have the word of the Lord. Know that you have the word of the Lord. But know this. That many times it takes patience to bring it forth. But as we're patient and perseverant, wisdom, you might need wisdom as you're believing. You might be, need some growth. You might need to be angry, more angry than you are. That, you know, if you can put up with something, you will. But as you're believing, as you're pressing in, the wisdom will come. What you need is going to come. But know this. As you're confronting the devil, 
and refusing to back down. He is backing down. Even when it doesn't look like it. He is withering. The fig tree was withering from the roots. You are a threshing machine through the Holy Ghost. It is working. Lord God, it is working. It is working. But before harvest sometimes, that's when you need to speak most. That when, that's when you need to worship most. That when, that's when you need to keep walking. When it seems like you're going uphill rather than downhill. There's a ram in the bush. He is manifested. We need to keep on walking. Keep on talking. We will worship. And we will be back. Amen. Let's stand with me if you would. Glory to God. Those watching my YouTube Faith of the Family channel or Spotify listening, however you're listening to this, please. I, I had a word of knowledge for somebody. It's time to get back in the game. I believe you're watching this right now or listening to it somehow. God said, get back in the game. You weren't even losing, but you thought you were. Jesus did not fail you. Get back in the game. That's a word of the Lord to somebody. Glory to Jesus for us here today. Let's bring forth fruit for the master. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. It is working. The devil is withering. The hammer is chipping him away. It is coming to pass. Put your own situation in there. Just thank God right now that the word is working for you. It is working for you. It is working for you. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus.